Welcome to another Charity Chat podcast. My name is Osman Mughal and I am your host today. I have the pleasure to speak to Geetha Rabindra Kumar, Head of Engagement at Big Society Capital. In today's podcast, we will talk all things social investment and cover key aspects including what is social investment and how does it differ from other traditional forms of fundraising, what are the key benefits and risks of social investment, what should charities of all sizes, in particular senior management teams and trustees, consider before taking on such an investment. And throughout the podcast, we will touch on examples of successful social investments. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, Geetha. Um, can you please provide a little bit background into your experience and what you're doing today? So my direct experience of social investment was working at Scope as finance director. We used repayable finance in a number of different ways um, while I was there. Um, and, but the last thing that we did was to raise um, £2 million through um, borrowing money from a group of different investors to allow us to invest into generating income. So we put the the money that we raised into um, fundraising, individual giving fundraising, recruitment and um, growing our retail charity shop chain. And the intention behind that was relatively simple. You borrow the money, it allows you to invest into growth in those areas. um, And then in a relatively short time, there is enough income generated to be able to both repay investors, but then create an income stream for the long term. So my role now today is at Big Society Capital. We were set up to connect repayable finance to the charities and social enterprises that are improving lives around the UK. And um, I have the great privilege of talking to charities and social enterprises about their work, um, how they're funded, and explaining a little bit about how social investment can be relevant for them. And can you please explain what exactly is social investment and how that differs differs from other forms of traditional fundraising that you trust in your foundations, your individual giving, your major donors, please? Sure. So social investment is um, essentially repayable finance which is provided by an investor who expects their money back, normally with a return on top, so some sort of interest rate usually um, on top of that. Um, But more importantly, or as importantly, they are motivated by and they value the social impact that's been created by that money. So the things that look different to philanthropy, whether that's uh, or, or giving, whether that's grants, um, donations, etc., is really the fact it's it's, repa- it's repayable and that that money has to come back in some way, shape, or form. So that creates a different dynamic between the investors and um, and you as a, a you as a charity. So you would be thinking about um, what are the areas of work that can use upfront capital mm-hmm. and secondly wh- where are that is it possible is it viable for, for you to be able to repay that investment and does it make sense because it's going to be able to create more inc- income for you in the long term increase your sustainability and overall increase your impact as well and if an organization is thinking about taking on social investment whether that be a small charity or a large charity what things do they have to take into consideration before making that that jump because it is like you said, it has to be repayable. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's risks attached to that. So what do you think um, particularly senior management trustees need to be aware of before taking that social investment on? So I think there's, there's two things. I think they need to think about risk in, in two ways. As a senior management team, so they should be thinking about um, 
actually the, the opportunity that potentially social investment could create by allowing them to um, deliver more for the people that they're here to serve. So how is this going to be fit with their, fit with their mission? Um, so for example, if I think about um, Evil Women's Aid, a domestic violence charity based up in the northeast, they borrowed money from Charity Bank to be able to um, buy and secure a safe house to provide services for older women who had been affected by domestic abuse. So there was a risk attached to that because they took on a loan that was yes. going to commit that organisation mm -hmm. to paying, paying back um, that loan over the long term. Um, but they could make a judgment about that, so obviously they could look at, well, the income streams that would be coming in in terms of rents um, and look at whether, whether those income streams were going to be enough to allow them to service the interest and in the long term pay back that debt. But actually also what they would have done in the board in, in, in weighing up that, taking that decision mm -hmm. would be to recognise that here was an opportunity for them to provide, in this case, the first safe house for older women who've been affected by domestic violence. So there's a real opportunity in terms of impact and mission for them. And um, therefore they've gone on to, that service is now up and running. It's, um, well, fortunately or fortunately, actually the demand there is high. Sure. So it's not, um, the service hasn't been empty and I think they've gone on to do other things since. I guess the other things that really for the trustees to think about is do you have the skills to implement actually what you're doing? So often um, charities who are taking on social investment, for example, to uh, maybe to do something new or to grow, mm -hmm. um, the um, there will be a lot of work done in the first place in terms of thinking about where you get the money from and demonstrating to those investors that um, you have the ability to repay your investment. Um, but actually, equally, as much time and effort needs to be put into the actually the implementation of the project or the programme or sure. the growth. So um, have you got the right people in place to deliver on that? If you're doing something that's more enterprising or that takes you outside of your traditional area of work, um, it might be that you need to bring in a different skill set to, to run that project. How are you going to put in place um, ways to monitor how it's going and whether the whether whether what you're doing is um, delivering successfully? So, if you're thinking about as a management team, if you're thinking about how to um, present this to your board, um, it's important that if you're looking at a particular proposal, that you you kind of present to them the risks and your your approach for, for how you're going to implement. Absolutely. And are there also ethical considerations that a charity needs to take on board as well, in terms of um, having repayable finance? Um, along with other traditional forms of yeah. fundraising. So is that a, another consideration that needs to be taken on board by the charity as well? Um, there are definitely things that um, are philosophical questions, I think, that yes. some charities will, 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 will want to consider, and that's, that's, that's right and proper. So um, that might be... Um, the, the first obvious one is are you permitted to borrow? Most charities can, but it's important to check within your, within your governing documents that you can borrow money. Um, some um, charities will, be, uh, will ask questions and will want to think themselves and we did the same with scope about whether it was right to pay interest so if you're investing into in, into something and then you're generating money is it right to then use those those funds to pay interest back to an investor um, and actually I guess I would look at it as see, see, seeing those costs as being part of your um, your, the cost of delivering what you're trying to do in terms of your mission. So, you know, we pay for back office functions, we pay for support, we pay for governance, and these are all part of um, delivering a strong organisation that can deliver on your mission. And if um, paying the cost of interest or an arrangement fee for a loan or an investment allows you to unlock more impact in the long run, to me that, that seems eminently within, you know, within, within um, permissible, shall we say, within what, what you should be able to do.
I think the, the, some of the ethical considerations might be about where you get the investment from, actually, as well. So um, we could uh, probably talk a, a lot about where, where who, who the investors are, Absolutely. actually, who are yeah. these mythical investors. So um, social investors might, may be um, individuals, there may be people that you already know, there may be um, philanthropists who are interested in lending as well. Um, they may be um, trusts and foundations who already may be supporting your organisation, or there may be new trusts and foundations. So some trusts and foundations will lend and or invest as well as as well as make grants. Um, or they may be you may access money from social investment funds that are managing other people's money. Big issue invest is an example of one of those. Um, so they're managing um, the money of people like Big Society Capital or um, trusts and foundations or potentially institutions or, or, or individuals, and then lending and investing in charities. Um, or you can go to your high street bank. And so I guess some of the, the, when you look at the ethical considerations, it's really looking at, is there an alignment of motivation? So why are those investors getting involved in this space? And is your sense as an organisation that their motivations are aligned to yours? And time and time and again, we will hear from charities that have um, taken on social investment that um, actually where they, they would, they wouldn't just go to one investor, they maybe talk to a number of different investors to work out where the fit was right uh, and where things did really click. It was really about an alignment of motivations and values around impact that brought them together. If your charity is accessing money from a fund manager and you think your trustees might have ethical concerns, it's absolutely okay to ask that fund manager to say actually where, where is the money coming from that you're investing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And some trustees may have um, concerns about that potentially in terms of reputation. So I mean, in the main, as I said, the they're likely to be sources of funding that I, th I would say most charities are comfortable with, but you might want to probe that further. So there are some corporates that will invest into social investment funds, there are local authority pension funds and others, but it's absolutely right and proper that trustees should ask those questions if, if that's likely to be a concern for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and working for a charity myself, I know that the key aim is really to improve the lives of your beneficiaries, whoever mm -hmm. they may be. Mm -hmm. So is there, although there is a financial element for social investment, is there additional benefits of having social investment? For example, the experience and expertise that they can bring in mm -hmm. from without from outside the sector. So, would you consider that as being one of the key and main benefits? Um, so yes, yeah, so we will often hear that um, organisations that have taken on investment will say that um, they went in, went into it looking for the money, and um, they ended up with much more than just the money. So they ended up with potentially a partnership. Um, a critical friend, shall we say, and in the end, if they manage to secure and that's the really investment, important, especially when um, you're kind of as an organisation, sometimes there's a lot of internal thinking. Yeah. But to get the outside critical yep. friend, as you say, is really important sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So someone who's going to have an objective view, and and probably unlike a grant funder or a donor who is um, probably wanting to build up, yes, trust with you and will give you the money. An investor has to take other things into consideration. So really, how good are your processes and your systems and your finances and the strength around those. And having um, an outside view on that, you know, again, organisations will say at the time the, pro the process was painful, but they came out of it feeling either more confident about their own the strength of their own processes, or um, they felt actually they got some really good um, advice and um, support to improve some of the, some of those things. So if somebody uh, wants to, if a charity wants to um, take on social investment and apply for social investment, what's the process in doing that? Can you please explain kind of from the very yeah. start to when you do your prospect research, yes. right to the end, that process of mapping out how you actually apply for social investment and how that is um, kind of secured? 
So I would say if you're thinking about social investment, um, do some early research on, on uh, and you know, follow up from this podcast on, on what it is and who else is out there using it. Um, we will have um, links to resources on, on the podcast afterwards, but if you look at goodfinance.org.uk, that's the go-to place for charities that want to find out more. Um, so it, it's really about being armed with information that's going to make you, allow you to make some um, good decisions and work out whether this is right for you. Um, I would say before you even necessarily go through the, the, the process of applying to an investor it's worth having a, an early discussion with your management team and then potentially with your board to introduce the concept of repayable finance if this is something that's new for them so um, again my experience at scope was that actually this was very much a to take to take anything forward in, in social investment was very much a partnership between uh, often services fundraising and finance actually so you know, fundraising could bring the skills in terms of thinking how to present the organization and um, potentially potentially contacts in terms of securing investors um, but thinking about those, those presentation skills finance was very heavily involved in terms of actually pulling together the, 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 the financial model around whatever it was that you needed investment for um, and services in terms of the impact and ultimately what you were doing so it is a sort of shared it is one of those projects I think and one of those areas which where really decision making should be shared and you want um, to get everybody on board with the concepts before going too far down the line so having some early um, insights into um, some of the things we're exploring today you know what, what it is when it can be useful um, who are the other organizations out there that that um, in our in our space that are using it, um, it is I, I think is, is the place to start and then um, and good finance has lots of good case studies out there if, if that's something that was, would be um, helpful in that journey I think the next thing then is to look at your own organisation and then look at where in your where, what what is it that you're doing that where social investment can be useful. So if you're planning on buying a building, for example, or um, or um, acquiring more houses or accessing more properties in some way, um, investment and repayable finance makes absolute sense. Um, if you're trying to scale up a service um, that is generating income for you into other areas and you need um, some cash to help you employ more staff, uh, perhaps buy equipment or lease some premises, again repayable finance might, might make sense. Um, so, so it's looking at where are the areas of your ambition where actually having capital is likely to unlock opportunity but it makes sense because you could see that there's a potential for some income to be generated from, from those areas considering that I think is key and then thinking about well, what, what you know how much funding and, and where are the possible sources of finance and good finance can help you navigate your way through that through through that process and we have um, a funding directory of sources of investment out there so if you get to the point where you're thinking actually you know you've got kind of um, the go-ahead from from your peers and your management team to say actually yes we'd like to uh, two or three of you to explore this it's then worth working out the proposal um, and I would say having some early conversations with a few investors investors will almost always say that it's never too early to um, talk to us about about um, what you're doing even if perhaps the investment may not be become a reality for, for, for some period sure. of time and you mentioned trust and foundations so how yes. are they involved in that social investment journey do they work alongside the investors? So if you get to the, the point where you've spoken to some social investors, who may include trusts and foundations, 
and then you um, decide that you want to go ahead and make an application, then usually there's an application process that the investor should make it, it should be quite clear from a conversation with them or on their website how that works. Right. Um, so that will usually involve submission of, it might be involve submission of a business plan, of your um, charity's accounts, some sense of what it is you're trying to do, how much investment you're looking for, and um, either the financials that sit behind it that explain how you're going to be able to repay um, re- repay that investment. And if you don't have that at, at hand, you can at least talk through the bones of your proposal and they will ask the questions that will lead you to provide that information. The investors will then come in and they'll review that information and if they think actually this is a viable proposal they will take it through their own due diligence process which will involve looking at your um, financials as an organisation, looking a little bit at the quality of what you do, so what's your track record in delivering what you're going to be doing, and what's the quality of the management team, they'll look at your governance, they'll want to know a bit more about the impact that you're going to be creating and whether you have a sense of how you're going to be able to report on that in future. And once they've got a rounded picture of what you're doing, what you need the investment for, whether the financial case makes sense and whether um, um, and how strong the impact is, they will take that to their investment committee and their decision making panel um, to, to, to decide whether um, for approval or not, as the, as, the, as the case may be. In terms of timescales, that um, could take anything from um, three months or even quicker in, in if something is very clear cut and easy to okay. make a decision around, yeah. um, but may take longer and, and ultimately the timescales will depend um, as much about um, your time and capacity to be able to respond and prepare the information sure. that's needed. So in terms of trust and foundations involvement yep. with, um, with with social investors, you could apply direct as trust and foundations. So some trust and foundations, um, some of them are listed on good finance, but such as Esme Fairburn and Barrow Cadbury will have social investment funds um, with criteria around what you can apply for. So you could apply to them directly in the way that you could apply to a social investment fund. Okay. If you're looking to access investment from a number of investors, and this does happen sometimes, and a trust or a foundation might be one of them, it's worth probably having a conversation with with them to say actually you're this is that you would like to, you're trying to put put together a package of funding from a perhaps from a from a fund as well as a, a foundation and potentially other sources if you have other sources of investment and to ask them the question about how they can work together um, to right. make that happen so what you don't want to be doing if you can is to do sort of two or three different due diligence processes with each with each investor and because investors that's too time consuming absolutely and takes up everyone's time within the organization yeah absolutely and so and and um, they will should collaborate where, where they can there'll be some things that they will want to um, check for themselves or verify for themselves because mm-hmm. they'll need to take that back to a committee yes. but they will look often to one investor to perhaps play what they call the lead role in terms right. of the due diligence almost on behalf of the others yeah. but I would say I guess part of the part of the advantage to going to a fund is that by going to a fund you're accessing the multiple investors who've put money into that fund so when thinking about is it worth going to multiple investors there's a probably a time and um money equation about how much investment do you need and does it make sense to um, access it in that way. And something that I wanted to touch on was um, in regards to what you just mentioned about impact and reporting. Yes. So I assume it will be similar to when you make an application to a trust or foundation dependent on what their reporting requirements are. But just generally if you can give some sort of examples of what would be kind of reporting required for a traditional social investment. 
um, and some of the impact monitoring that needs to be done? Mm -hmm. So, um, in general, um, I would say that social investors aren't overly prescriptive about what you measure or how in the impact reporting should work. They want to know that you, you're clear about the difference that you want to make in the world and that you have a sense of how you're going to how you're going to know whether you've done it sure. and what that looks like in general I think we, we, we believe is up to um, you as a charity to work out how you want to do that in a way that makes sense for you. So um, I guess all funders will say this but ultimately the impact reporting should be for what helps your learning and what what benefits you rather than something that we, that we've we've asked for in a particular format. Having said that, we um, and other funders we, we've developed together a, a, a matrix called the Outcomes Matrix that is on the Good Finance website and provides suggested outcomes and indicators that organisations might want to measure against a whole range of different sectors that pretty much cover everything that the charity sector does, from okay. housing and homelessness through to education and employment and health and well-being, for example. Um, and people find that useful. If they're not doing anything, yes. they find that useful as a starting point. Um, but I think the key, the key thing is, is really that the reporting should be proportionate and it should be useful for you. We, as an investor that invests into other funds, generally uh, have some minimum requirements so we want to see that actually the report some form of reporting happens every year and at least one indicator is tracked over time um, but people can go beyond that so it needs to be something that's going to be useful for you so it depends on what it is so if it's a you know if it's a um, community project a community cafe or something then maybe the impact is going to be about it's going to be a survey done by people who are using the service about how they feel about um, this asset being in their community what they get get from it so the kind of how do you get the user experience from 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 what's what's um what's what's being delivered um through the uh, in, into into your reporting for other things so um for um people at charities that are working in potentially quite a deep way with um, with individuals you might have more um, complicated metrics around you know the number of people that you've housed but whether those people are unemployed uh, have been helped into employment um, I'm thinking about uh, a fund that we've invested in that St Mungo's Broadway the homelessness charity yep. um, delivers um, to um, that's run by residents which provides again um, housing for people who are at risk of homelessness uh, and there they track the number of people that have been housed, um, how many people have been supported into employment, uh, whether they're in employment um, and whether people are in a stronger position in terms of building relationships and so, so there will so there be some specific things that you want to track around particular individuals okay. if that is the service that you're delivering yeah, but it depends sure. on what you're doing. In terms of some of the risks around social investment we've discussed, yeah. for example, failure to pay back your the finance that you've got from a social investor. So what happens when things are in year two or three year project and things are not working out quite so well? What can be done at that stage in terms to minimise kind of the impact on the wider organisation reputation and also still maintain good relationships with the social investor even though things haven't quite worked out in the way that you hoped or planned? It's it's a really good it's a really good question. I think it's the thing that probably people are would be the most concerned about in yeah. terms of when they enter into a social investment um, arrangement. Rightly so. 
so I think there are, there are a few things to say. One, one is that probably it's almost certain that things mm -hmm. aren't going to work out the way you'd originally planned in your business plan. So um, we all know this, don't we? So you know, new projects take longer to get off the ground. It's slower to recruit um, the people that you need. Um, often, you know, kind of the environment changes. We all, we've all seen this over the last six, seven, eight years in terms of constraints on, on public sector funding, etc. So we, so we know we know things can change. So I guess the, the starting point would be actually first of all, how, how have you thought about those in the first place? So to have built those, and so not to have over optimistic projections is the, is the first thing to say. Because if you get to a point where things are changing, it's a really important to have an early conversation with your investors about um, the fact that. Um, perhaps that you can see that things aren't necessarily going quite to plan and to have quite an open and frank conversation about some of the reasons for that. Um, and I think that what probably distinguishes social investors from, um, from other investors often is that um, once they have backed you, they want to support your organisation and they're committed to the impact. So we talk a lot about how to, you know, once an investment is up and running, how do you preserve impact at, as a priority over recovering investment so the investor would normally uh, want to have quite a good open discussion with you about um, what are you doing to rectify the, that that situation um, maybe have some suggestions for what might be might, might be helpful um, in some cases it might mean it, it might be actually some extra investment might be useful if it means being able to ramp up some support or resources into a particular area and then they may well come to an arrangement with you where they either extend the investment period or look at a repayment holiday, which basically means you don't, you know, you don't make any any loan repayments for a period of time or any interest repayments for a short period of time. So to allow you a bit of breathing space to recover from where you are and then to catch up later. It's really important. I think that flexibility is key because it mm. allows the organisation to reassess and review where they are at, um, and then I look at the project in the cold light of day and kind of say where we are and kind of look at whether the future is of that project. And to be honest, that might be a learning in itself. If the project mm -hmm. hasn't worked out in the way that you hoped, um, that can be a learning in itself because you can learn actually, um, it hasn't worked out. So what are the learnings that we can take from it and improve other projects that the organization is running or perhaps take this project on again and, and change it in a way that will hopefully work from your learnings that absolutely. didn't work on your previous projects. Yeah, absolutely. And there's and if you're getting to a point where things are challenging, and the investors may well have experience from other charities they've invested in that may be in a similar position or may have had, had similar difficulties to be able to bring that to bear. Um, and sometimes it may be well be the right thing to stop what you're doing, actually. Maybe actually the, the right thing to do is to um, stop the project and to, um, to to repay what was left of us if, if things aren't used and yeah and, and, and call a halt but actually often it's perfectly possible to um, have a discussion and rephase what you're doing in some way. So I think across the charity sector social investment is not as well known as other forms of fundraising. Um, it's becoming more and more prominent but it's still kind of less well known as your traditional forms of fundraising. So why do you think that is? And how big is an opportunity of social investment in terms of the broader charity sector? So I guess it's maybe not surprising that um, social investment isn't as, um, as, as well known as other forms of funding, because actually it's not never going to be relevant to every charity and it's never going to be possible to fund everything that you do through repayable finance. Um, I think there's also something about the fact that it 
takes, it's not always clear where the responsibility for taking forward a social investment project lies. Is it fundraising because it's raising money or is it finance because it's repayable and, and yes. it requires a different amount of discipline? So there's there's a little bit of that too is actually, so you need some shared, a shared interest from, from different people to, to be able to even in, in, engage. And the other the part is actually that we, we shouldn't forget that actually the, the, there's plenty of repayable finance um, in the sector already in the form of mortgages from, from mainstream banks. So you know, lots of charities will have um, head offices and, and other properties that have been purchased through um, through long-term mortgages and I think there's around four billion of just borrowing outstanding on um, the charity sector's balance sheets when you look at the NCVO um, yeah. almanac and so that will include social investment but that won't only be social investment so that will include that the bulk of that will be you know um, bank borrowing and leases so there, there are other ways to access finance outside of what we probably would see as social investment. So we think today there are about 3,000, more over 3,000 organisations that have accessed social investment and over £2 billion of social investment outstanding at the moment. And at the end of December, we hit a milestone of um, £1 billion of investment from the funds that we've invested in, which includes our money and other investors' money, actually reaching charities and social enterprises. So that was from zero six six or so years ago yes. um to a billion pounds today so that's 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 that tells you something not all of that is um charities some of that is as social enterprises sure. some of that is housing associations but you know, the bulk of it is our regulated organizations in the sector um so i think from that point of view we think that there's there's um potential for uh, for, for that to increase substantially actually over the next over the next few years um and some of it will be a few big organisations taking on more large deals. So we've seen organisations like Hackney Community Transport who have taken on deals of 10, I think the last deal was £17 million, pounds, um, but they've done repeat raises of social investment to fund their growth. Right. Um, but equally, um, I was at an event a few weeks ago and I heard about a social enterprise that had just managed to raise £7,000 from individuals using the social investment tax relief okay. and you've got everything in between. Yes. So um, so I, th- I think that I think there's a potential for lots of smaller organisations to raise a lot more a lot, a lot more social investment but um, there needs to be more information and resources and opportunities to connect with with those out there. In your experience, is a number of people applying for social investment more of the larger sized organisations or the smaller? And how can kind of smaller organisations, because they may um, have a lack of capacity perhaps, so how can they kind of take on social investment and try to manage it in a way that is effective for them as an organization mm-hmm. that is relatively small that's a really good question so i would i think that it is true to say that if you are a larger organization it is more likely that if you apply for a social investment that you will um, get it and um, so uh, people often ask the question about reserves is if you have a large amount of reserves is that a problem well no it's almost the opposite to the okay. grant funding world because if you're a large organization you've got a strong balance sheet and a significant level of reserves than to an investor you're going to look like a lower risk organization yes. so and and so that combined with um, the people and the capacity that you could have to, to look at this stuff is going to make it easier. Having said that, often larger organisations don't look at social investment because 
uh, because they have those reserves or because if they need funding they could go to a high street bank to get it. So the very large organisations are probably not going to be looking to borrow money from social investment funds. So I think the bulk of the demand comes from more medium-sized organisations in the main. So these are organisations that maybe um, have the capacity and the ambition to grow or uh, develop what they're doing but perhaps their propositions they're not seen as um, that the propositions they have are not going to be ones that the mainstream banks will lend to um, so actually social investments investors can pl- absolutely play a role in that area one of the positive developments that I've seen over the last few years is that we have seen more sources of capital being available at this for the smaller charities so at the small at the smaller end so um, loans of up to £150,000 um, made available by a number of social investors that we and the lottery have invested into and that's I think has really unlocked unlocked access for, for, for a lot of smaller organisations. What has gone alongside that often is some form of capacity building support so mm-hmm. to your question about how smaller organisations can access it well they, they needed some information we and others have provided some of that through good finance through the opportunity to network and um, we're working with local CVSs and infrastructure organisations so that they can provide more information to local organisations about this stuff so the opportunity to hear about it then to know where to go to for information and in some cases to be able to access a little bit of grant support to be able to um, spend the time to ensure that they as an organisation are prepared for investment or can access it in, this, in a certain way and we can provide some links to where that support is. In the last six to ten years, like you mentioned, we have seen growth in social investment and different organisations tapping into that. Where do you see the future of social investment going? And do you see the same trend continuing for the next 10, 20 years? I know it's hard to predict, but where do you see the general trend lines going? So I think that there 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 will continue to be growing demand for small amounts of investment from small and medium-sized charities and social enterprises, particularly as charities are sort of forced to think differently about their funding models, and that's really partly where some of the growth and interest has come from, has been through necessity. So as organisations are thinking, well, we can't rely on on, um, perhaps government funding, particularly government grants, any longer. Uh, we are going to have to think differently about what we do. So the kind of shift to thinking about how to become more resilient, how to grow um, forms of income through trading and through enterprise, once you're thinking about those things, then the case for use use of investment becomes clearer. So, um, so I think in that space you're going to you, you will see more demand for social investment, but because charities are thinking differently about how they're funded and how they're going to deliver services in future. That's and a really interesting point. The fact that government, because of government cuts and government funding being cut, that charities have to think differently and be more versatile and actually look at experiencing different types of investment. And that's, I think that's a really good point because charities where I've worked in the past we've always seen that there's been either that the the fund that you're applying to either it be a trust or foundation or a government grant that you're applying for either it's getting more competitive mm-hmm. or they're cutting the funds back so actually charities ne- need to think in different ways which means that trustees but also senior management to think differently as well in terms of how they react to certain situations so I think that's a really good and valid point. And we want to share more of, so we've done a lot in the last few years to, to say, to explain a bit more about what social investment is and to explain the different products out there. But actually we want to be sharing more going forward about 
um, actually what are the models that social investment can be are best suited to so because that's really what people are interested in is yeah. what are the approaches that generate income that that where social investment makes sense we'll be doing more of that in future and we're working with you know, a number of partners who are running grant programs around enterprise development um, because we see that actually as the precursor to then looking yeah. at um, being able to, to use investment. So I think having those, that, those sort of skills, knowledge, experience and capacity in the sector to be able to develop trading models is going to become more important. I think the other piece in terms of where the future of social investment will go, and this comes from somebody who's kind of always worked in the charity sector, is that we, we will see more organisations that aren't necessarily charities, registered charities using social investment. So these might be okay. social enterprises that have been set up by tech entrepreneurs, so sort of tech for good ventures that are companies limited by shares but still want to have a social aspect to the investment that they're raising. Um, we're seeing you know, increasingly more young people are kind of coming out of university and wanting to set up social enterprises. As 20 years ago, there weren't the kind of courses that you see at university or uh, opportunities to set up and grow your so own social enterprises in the way there, there are today. So I think you'll see more of those organisations coming through. So demand for social investment will come from other areas as well. So if you... Um, if you listen to this and you want to know more, I would definitely look at Good Finance um, as the um, resource to provide you with, with more information to allow you to make, make that decision. If you want to get your um, board members involved and want to provide them with more information, we have been running a campaign called Get Informed, which provides resources and case studies um, and the opportunity to be mentored um, for trustees or people involved with governance, so you get the kind of governance angle on that side of things. But I would also say just to, to be open-minded about um, the opportunity to, to use repayable finance and have a look at some of the case studies and the examples at, that are out there because that could make you think. So there are the obvious things like buying a building or growing a service offer into other cities. But equally, we've seen some interesting examples more recently of organisations who have um, borrowed money for infrastructure costs, so um, to how to strengthen your impact management system or to build your website on the basis that that's going to strengthen your ability to generate income in future or to make you more efficient. So it might be that so the things you could use investment for are potentially things that you couldn't get grant funding for. I think my main takeaway would be that if you're going to use social investment to do your research, so you go into it with your eyes open. Um, so you go into it probably taking some risk, but knowing what those, having an understanding of what those risks are, but then having your eye on the opportunity and the potential prize that's out there for you. So a big thank you to Geeta for her time and sharing key insights into the world of social investment. In summary, depending on the type of project or opportunity that you are looking to fund, it is definitely worth considering looking at social investment as a credible option for your organisation. It is not only the financial benefit, but you are bringing together like-minded people who are passionate about your cause and in many cases a critical friend who can help improve the current project or opportunity on offer. As we discussed, there are a number of factors that you need to consider before taking on social investment. It is repayable finance and therefore you need to present a solid business case you can repay this as agreed with your investor. In other cases, it is more important to understand the ethical side. Where do the funds come from originally? And as an organisation, are you comfortable with the idea of repayable finance? Despite this, do not rule out social investment, 
as it may become an increasingly popular income stream for charities since traditional forms of fundraising are becoming increasingly competitive and because of government cuts too. So as mentioned by Geetha throughout the podcast, you can find more information on the Good Finance website and we will have links on our source links page. If you have any ideas that you would like to be covered by us on Charity Chat, please do get in touch with us. That just leaves me to thank you for listening to this podcast and I'd also like to thank our corporate sponsors. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Aksumit for our website design. RR Yard Photography for our pro bono images on our website and Forrester Falls who have been playing throughout the show and are also playing us out now. Thank you very much for your time and hope to see you again soon.